from Brooklyn, New York. I'm Adam Teeter, and this is a Vine Pair Podcast Conversation. We're bringing you these conversations between our regular podcast episodes in order to examine how we're moving forward during the COVID-19 crisis. Today, I'm talking with Aileen Pejdo, the Vice President of Luthkli Co. for the U.S. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Adam. So before we jump into a bunch of questions around champagne, which I know we both love to talk about, uh, Vuv in general, can you just give uh, listeners a little bit of you know background on yourself, sort of how long you've been with the brand, um, and how what brought you to your your where you are in your career now? Yeah, of course. Um, so as you can hear, and you'll hear through the the podcast, I have a little accent, and that's <laughs> not from Brooklyn. It's uh, from from France, uh, where I was born and grew up. Uh, but I've been here in New York and the U.S. for about uh, almost sixteen years now. Uh, always in this wonderful industry that is the wine and champagne. And I'm lucky to be heading the Vafrico Champagne brand for the U.S. Uh, since. Uh, it's been three years now in this current role, uh, and you you know it's it's been tough to try all those different bubbles and and very difficult job as you can imagine, but <laughs> enjoying it very much. That's amazing. So, Vuvuzela number one champagne brand in the U.S. Right? Is it number one in the world as well? It isn't. It actually is interesting. We're the number one champagne here in the U.S., and that's the only country where uh, we kind of hold that position. Um, everywhere else in the world, Moet, um, Moet et Chandon is, is the number one, but we're not too far after. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's an iconic brand. I think everyone knows what the champagne looks like, right? From the, from the orange label to, you know, seeing, seeing the brand all over the place, but you're, you're a brand that really shows up a lot in events, right? And we've, you and I have discussed this before. Um, that's really your bread and butter, right? You're not a brand that really thinks, does a lot of, you know, print advertising, traditional TV marketing, et cetera. You're really a brand that markets by events. And obviously, you know, through COVID, things have changed. So I'm, I'm really interested to sort of chat with you today about how you've adapted, because um, it's also a brand that's always been very forward thinking and innovative. So what have you done that's been different uh, since COVID? And also, you know, I think we've, we've heard a lot that like the champagne industry is really hurting right now. Um, so if you could provide some color on that too, that would be awesome as well. But I guess just to start out, so once once COVID happened, like hit, and you sort of knew that you were going to have to start working from home and things were going to be different, how did you immediately begin to adapt? No, I, I think, and you were making a great point. I think as a brand, um, we we've always acted differently, um, and to your point, we're not your traditional kind of uh, advertising type of brand. We we really built the brand on on consumer experiences. So obviously, when this hit, uh, we had to kind of rethink very quickly how we would engage with with our consumers. Um, events not being, you know, one of the uh, of the pillars for sure. But I think what's amazing is that these brands, first of all, it's 250 years of history. So you know, it's uh, it's seen a lot over over the years, and I think that um, we're also very much inspired by its founder, Madame Cricot, who was an incredibly resilient uh, woman and uh, pivoted to a lot of situation as well. And I think that when this hit, of course, um, you know, we were taken by surprise and I think it's affected, you know, all of us and, and a lot of different people. But uh, we also a brand that's been built on and synonymous with um, joy and optimism and hope. 
So I think that our role, really what we try to do is kind of continuing to convey this through this kind of challenging, um, challenging time for sure. Um, and we know our consumers have been changing through this as well. Right. Their behaviors significantly uh, changed. Um, and what we kind of focus on first is to, you know, it's those kind of responsible consumption occasion. So we started, you know, building this Clico at Home program. So really kind of encouraging our consumers to um, continue to enjoy our product, but more in a home setting environment, um, you know, giving kind of tips about, uh, you know, food and champagne pairing, which, you know, most people don't think about, but which is quite fantastic. Um, and also giving value about, you know, education, how champagne is made, you know, the story of, of Clicquot. So when this consumer is kind of open to, to learning more, we, we kind of jumped on that as well. Um, and, and also in terms of, of consumer uh behavior changing, the, you know, most people have started buying online, uh, right, a lot right. of consumers, and for the first time, most of them. So we definitely focused on kind of our e-retail business, uh, for sure. And we've already, we were always kind of happy to be leading in e-retail, but this has definitely boosted kind of our our presence. And um, it's been very successful for us. And we, we've really partnered with some great e-retailers to make sure that that we kind of adapt to uh, uh, to the situation, and then I, I would say that the last point is obviously our our friends in the hospitality have been hit the most, um, and that that is for sure something that's affected all of us um, and and the business of Africa for sure. But then we started also finding creative ways, right, and innovative ways to make sure that not only we support them, but we bring them new, we bring them solutions. Um, so we kind of started to work with a few of our uh, great uh, restaurants and uh, offering kind of Clico to go packages. You know, um, we love our picnic. I think Clico is very much synonymous with you know enjoying champagne outdoor uh, and. Uh, We've been able to build some, you know, very special bundles with our uh, with our rest with our restaurant partners. Um, one of them that I'm thinking about is like a fried chicken and bubbles, you know, <laughs> the deliberado, which is a, an amazing kind of a, a pairing. But we try to, you know, work very collaboratively and and trying to find solutions for for our great great accounts and, and consumers. So, obviously, you're a global brand. How much of being a global brand allowed you? to plan ahead maybe more than a lot of other, especially U.S.-based spirits and wine brands were able to plan ahead. You know, you sort of saw this coming early. You saw what was happening in Asia. You know, when did did you as the, the head of the brand here in the U.S. start really thinking this could happen here and we need to be ready? And when did the company really start thinking about that? I think, honestly, pretty early on. Um, we obviously uh, were seeing what, what, uh, was happening in China. And even though for champagne, it's not, it's not a significant market. Um, but we started to see something, you know, that from far we're like, okay, there's, there's definitely something happening. Europe, obviously we're, we're very close to Europe being a French brand and, and myself, obviously, uh, in European, but it's like, then that's when we start realizing that, okay, there's something serious that's happening and it's going to hit us very quickly. So 
But, you know, each country reacted very differently and the impact was very different. Um, like in France, for example, which obviously is something that I was looking very closely at, it was a complete shutdown, you know, complete lockdown. So in, here in the U.S., you know, you, there's parts of it that were, that were more open than others and, um, and, and also the, the behaviors. I think we started, I think, drinking a lot more you right. know, in this country where other uh, other countries were a lot more pessimistic about the outcome and um, that affected kind of the consumption. So there's not a lot that we can learn much. I mean, much that we can learn from other countries. We had to adapt to what was happening here um, and the decision that were made here. But uh, I would say as a, as a company, very, very early on, um, we, we kind of taken the measures that we needed to do. Um, and for example, for us, you know, we were looking at our biggest event, which, you know, the, the Rocket Polo in, in New York that was going to happen in June. And we called out, we called this out as early as March, you know, beginning of March, we, we already knew that this was not going to happen. So the, you, you, you brought up the next question I wanted to ask, which was about Polo. So Polo is your biggest event, obviously. It's, it's a huge way that you garner tons of press. It's also this just amazing happening you know probably one of the biggest productions that any any alcohol brand puts on every year um to lose that's you know gotta be crazy right i'm sure you you spend a lot of time throughout the year planning what it's going to look like um you know have you thought about what polo could look like next year have you already started to plan for i know polo la is, is usually in the fall like have you thought about what that could look like just because obviously you know no one knows if we're going to get back to live events in the next six months to nine months. So how does a brand like yours that's thinking so much, that relies so much on live events, thinking about what that could look like? Well, you you know, it's, can you imagine this year would have been the 13 years of the Vafrico Polo Classic in New York. So it's it's definitely a, a hallmark for for the brand. It's It's been very, it's been a difficult decision, uh, not only because for us, it's, it's a great moment and we love to create this unique experience for our consumers, but we also know the disappointment from our consumers. You know, when we announce it on our social media, uh, of course, every, everyone understood the situation and, and the rationale behind it, but you could tell the disappointments. And then that was the saddest part, to be honest, because this is a true moment where we can connect with consumers and, you know, you see them firsthand enjoying the product and having the best time. So that's that's been a really tough, tough decision, but but the right one to do. Um, now for for LA, you're absolutely right. This is uh, will take place the first Saturday of October, and um, I can just tell you that the team obviously will be physical event will not take place this year. However, um, we are already thinking about ways to take it um, more as a virtual event, and uh, there will be. Some announcements soon about how this will look like, uh, but uh, but we're definitely pivoting to something slightly different um, this year. And as we look for for next year, um, to your point, it's still very uncertain. Uh, and you know, we were already thinking about how to elevate the experience of polo. You know, we always rethink everything and make sure that it is always something new. We bring something fresh to our consumers. So as we think about next year, this is exactly where our head is at. Um, could this be a hybrid, you know, kind of event? Um, how do we continue to bring the joy and the fun uh, and the bubble experience, but in a more, you know, innovative uh, way? So it's definitely got us thinking. Um, and 
and we're we'll continue to build something something new and something different but uh it's it's it has to change (laughs) for sure um but uh but more to come so you know sticking on the polo theme just because i'm sure some listeners are are very interested as i am so when you started the classic 13 years ago, what was it that drew you to polo? Was there a, a long-standing history of the champagne being connected to polo? Um, what made you, you know, believe at that point? And I know, you know, you you said you've been with the brand for three years, but when they made the decision, you know, 13 yeah. years ago, what do you think it was about this kind of event that they thought this would be, you know, as impactful as it has been? Because I think you talk to a bunch of other brands and be like, Americans don't know polo. <laughs> they, have not, they know nothing about polo. Why Why do you want to do a huge polo match in New York City? So I'm really curious as to what that decision process was. But I think the answer is in, in, is almost in the question because it's, uh, I mean, of course, there's naturally a connection with champagne and polo, um, you know, as an elevated uh, kind of experience. However, it's polo's always been this, yes, to your point, something a bit like uh, unattainable, right? It's like kind of up there, um, maybe, you know, something that most people have heard of, but I've never attended to because it's unapproachable. And I think that was the idea. And that's what we go was kind of rethinking all those conventions and what people think about and kind of bringing this match in the middle of the city, you know, was kind of something different and fun. Uh, and innovative, you know, in a, in a way. But at the end of the day, what the Polo, the Vaprico Polo Classic is, it's just the largest picnic, you know, in the city. So right. that's kind of what we wanted to bring to consumers. It's only something that they've, you know, probably never experienced before, the Polo, but at the same time, it's also having fun, enjoying champagne during, you know, around, around the fun picnic with your friends. So, you know, one of the other things, I guess, is signature for, for Vove is uh, ski. And we're moving, we're moving towards there now. You know, I think a lot of people have already started having these questions of what's going to happen after November and what are, how are we going to think about the winter? Will, will we have a reemergence of COVID, et cetera? Um, but, you know, I think a lot, of, a lot of my friends really first came in contact with Vove Clico through being people who like to ski. And it was always like the APRA ski libation um <laughs> have, you, have you started thinking about that as well since you know i don't you probably had to lose a little bit of that last season but it was really toward the end of ski season that really we all started quarantining yes absolutely and to be quite honest it's really a case per case uh situation um i mean we're very active in in aspen for example uh, where we have fantastic partners that are helping us bring you know the replica kind of upper ski to your point to life at this point, we, we're working closely with them, understanding what is safe to be, you know, to do, um, how, you know, even what are the regulations at this point. So it is really a case per case. Uh, this year will be different and we're not focusing as much as, as we would uh, just because we're trying to be respectful about, you know, what's happening and, and understanding what, what, what will be open and uh, how consumers may, may feel during that time. So it really is kind of like case per case. Case by case. So, you know, obviously it, you're a champagne brand that, that everyone knows, everyone loves. Um, but, you know, I think there's been a lot of press recently, you know, that like, oh, no one's drinking champagne. You know, people are turning away from champagne because, you know, there's nothing to be excited about. Can, can you can you provide some hope here for everybody who's like very <laughs> depressed that like, oh, man, why is no one drinking champagne? What is it about champagne that, you know, is causing people to turn away? Because 
I, I think everyone could use some hope that everyone is still drinking champagne. There is still a desire for people to, to be aligned with these amazing products. But actually, Adam, what we've seen is that the first couple months, I agree with you. Um, I think obviously this hit us, um, right? You know, it was it was very difficult for for everyone, and and I think it wasn't a time to celebrate and um, you know probably drink bubbles. But what we've seen in the past, I want to say at least six weeks, um, is a complete rebound of uh, the behaviors. Like we've seen, at least I can speak for um, my brands, but uh, we've seen our numbers kind of coming back insignificantly. I think there is a need now for people to, to celebrate, to celebrate the important things in life. Um, you know, there's still anniversaries and birthdays and some special personal milestones and Zoom weddings now. You know, it's, I think there is, it's, we see it as a much more positive and optimistic moment as people are like maybe fed up also with being, you know, with what's happening and, and this need of celebrating those important moments in life. So it's, it's changing. Is it changing for the long term? This is the questions, but we are, we're positive. Um, that, you know, and I think it's also part of this American consumer, this resilience, you know, this need of, you know, of coming out uh, and, and always looking at the, at the bright uh, side of life. And, and we're starting to see that. So uh, last question for you, obviously, I, 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 some, I often ask, you know, in this interview about what people think for the future or what the future, you know, holds for their brand. I think, you know, the future for, for Vuv is going to continue to be bright. So that's why I'm not going to ask that question to you. But another one, which I think people who are who are listening would be very interested to hear your perspective on, and that is, I think there's very few brands in the alcohol space that have this allegiance and have been this, you know, consistently viewed as high end by by a large set of consumers, right? When, when it comes, if, if, if a friend of mine is going to the, the wine shop and they're buying champagne, it's very often they pick up Vuv. It's very often Vogue gets great friends. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm really, you know, for everyone else here is listening who may, you know, they may be in the industry running a brand or they may be selling brands. What what do you think you have done as as a as a product, as a as a liquid, as a brand, as a whole, that has caused consumers to be so loyal to you for so long um, and to be so passionate about you? Well, that's first of all, thank you, um, and it's it's obviously not me personally, <laughs> not all this amazing job, but it is consistency for sure. And I think it starts, you know, it starts with our history. And I I always love to to to, to kind of remind and remind even myself of where we come from and the story of Madame Tricot behind this brand. I think is exceptional, and her, you know, uh, I was saying earlier earlier her resilience, but also audacity to kind of always push the limits. Um, and I think this is what we give ourselves. We, we kind of challenge all the time the status quo. It's like, yes, we are champagne brands, but we want to be more than that. We want to be a lifestyle. We want to bring joy and optimism to consumers. And I think this is, we try to think outside of what makes us just a bubble champagne brand, you know? Um, and, and I think that innovation and a true understanding of your consumer will help you do that, you know, try to think outside of the box and always bring, you know, new ideas, um, new moments is, is, is how I think we, we've tried to, to build a successful uh, a brand. 
and you know we we're we're not just bubble <laughs> and right, that's right. kind of like where, where we are that makes that makes total sense i mean thank you so much for taking the time uh, out of your busy day to to chat with me uh, to answer all of my questions and to give us a, a much better picture on where Vov stands during this time, but also where Champagne as a whole stands. Um, and if we were together, we would we would definitely cheers over a glass of Champagne. Uh, but we'll have to do that sometime in the near future instead. Sure. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. VinePair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Erica Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Patry and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the VinePair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.